Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am really excited to share this conversation that I had with Justin Whitmill early with you. It is one of the best conversations I had in 2021. And I first heard Justin um, on a podcast called Dad Tired. I love this conversation so much that I sent it to my husband who shared it with a friend um, a coworker, and they ended up actually getting it on their weekly email list for their staff so everybody could listen. It was such an impactful conversation. And through that conversation, we actually started doing something new in our family. My husband, husband and I both have been Young Life leaders, and one of the things we would do with Young Life um, is we take kids away, teenagers to camp, and every night we sit around and have something called cabin time. Well, we decided after my husband heard this conversation between Dad Tired, who's uh, Jared Lopez, I think I'm saying that right, and Justin, and they had this conversation where they talked about sitting around the dinner table and just reading some scripture afterwards, making it really simple. And we thought, you know what? Generally speaking, we're home Monday nights. We're going to have Monday night cabin time where after dinner, the kids get to go grab a treat of some sort come back to the table, sit there, and someone, one of us, could be one of the kids, is going to read scripture and we're all just going to talk about it. What do we think about it? And it's just a really simple way to have a devotional time as a family. And so I'm sharing all that to say, this all happened from listening to one podcast episode. And we actually never know the impact we're going to have when we share something with somebody else. And I feel like I rarely ask you to share, but this is one of those ones I would love for you to share with someone in your life, particularly a parent who you know could really use encouragement and really is hoping to experience um, really intentionality in their family and grow in their habits. One of the things Justin says in this conversation is that we become our habits and our kids become us. And so um, there are three dots in the bottom of your uh, podcast, if you're listening on your phone, and that's the share, those are the share buttons. And so you can either share the link by directly texting somebody, or you can copy the link somewhere. I am always really, really encouraged if you um, take a screenshot and share it on social media, and you can even do a link now to the episode. Um, I think this is one of those ones that is worth sharing. It's so encouraging. One of the other things I've, I'm deeply encouraged by right now is that my Mama Get Your Life Back course has just started. Now, it's different than the other courses I've shared about before where you kind of do it on your own. This one, you do part of it on your own. I have a content library. You can pick and choose what you want to go after. Right now, we've got um, vision. We've got a few pages you can print off and just look at, hey, what's the vision I have for myself, my life, my family? 
I also have a huge section on rest and even resting in the holidays. What would it look like this year if you actually experienced a restful holiday season with your family? And then I have once a month where I am coaching the group and we met yesterday and it was so, so encouraging. Many of the women said things like, I didn't even know what I was really signing up for. I didn't know why I was here, but this is what I need. This is the thing that I need in my life right now. So I'm going to link to that as well in the show notes. I'd love to have you join us, especially before the other thing we do once a month, which is having a guest speaker come in. Some other woman who has probably been on the podcast before is an author, a speaker, somebody who is just going to pour life and truth and encouragement and hope into our lives. So all that to say, share this episode with a friend. If you're a mom who just feels like I'm a little bit overwhelmed, um, the course, this mentorship group that I have designed is not meant to overwhelm you, but actually to breathe life into you. And I'm very intentional in the way I do that. And so all of the moms left yesterday with a deep, um, kind of a deep relieving sigh saying, okay, I'm ready to take on this thing. I'm ready to keep going in my motherhood and a little bit more excited as I move forward. So I'm inviting you to share this episode and I'm inviting you into my Mama Get Your Life Back group. All that to say, I trust this this episode is going to help you move one step closer to thriving. Check out my conversation with Justin. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with Justin Whitmill Early. He is a writer, a speaker, a lawyer, a dad of four boys and founder of The Common Rule, an online resource resource center for Christians seeking kingdom-formed habits that can sustain them in an age of chaos. And aren't we living in an age Mm. of chaos? Um, I can't wait to share with you Justin's new book that is called Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. And I don't know about you, but often I have felt like my family feels a little bit chaotic. And so (laughs) I'm trusting if you are listening today, you have experienced either that in your own life um, or that in your family. And I'm excited for Justin to unpack a little bit of this message with us today. So Justin, welcome to Ready to Thrive. Thank you, Jacqueline. I am so glad you invited me. Well, I would love to hear a little bit of your story because I know bits and pieces. I know that you were a missionary in China, Mm -hmm. that you're a lawyer, but now you're also a writer. And in my brain, those things don't compute. So (laughs) tell me a little bit of that backstory. That makes two of us. It's hard for me to keep track. (laughs) So um, my backstory is I I did uh, start my career as a missionary in China which was awesome until I've uh, about five years, almost five years doing that until I had this experience where I really felt God calling me to work missionally in law and business, which is maybe a longer story for a work and vocation podcast when you, when you cover that topic. But I did really sincerely feel called by God to um, come to the profession of lawyering and business law. So I ran really, really hard on it. Like, like a man on a call would. And that is what led me to my first crisis. So far, all my books come out of crisis moments. (laughs) I'm pretty chaotic, so I'm good at talking about an age of chaos. Um, What happened is, I didn't realize at the time, but in throwing myself into law school and into the early years of lawyering, 
I really assimilated unconsciously to all the usual habits and rhythms of, you know, modern Western life of the corporate ladder and trying to do really well. And while it was working for me, like I graduated around the top of my class and got my dream job in mergers and acquisitions, I totally crashed my first year of lawyering, like wild panic attacks, um, deep anxiety. I had never been like this before. Very easy, easy going. I would have said I was the most stress-free person in the world. And so when I started having to either drink alcohol or take pills to fall asleep every night, my first year of lawyering, I came to this moment that I'll never forget. And it was, how did this missionary become converted to the nervous medicating lawyer? And long, dark, difficult year solving that. But what I came to find was that in assimilating all these unconscious habits and rhythms, these habits and rhythms had converted my heart and my head to the anxiety and the busyness that these cultural routines worshiped. And that was the light bulb moment for me that led to my first book on habits, which was they form us spiritually way more than we think. So to be disciples of Jesus, we really need to pay attention, not just to our head and our beliefs, but our habits and our practices and unite them. And that's the good life of following Jesus. Well, it's funny because as you, as you're talking about this, going hard after becoming a lawyer, in my mind, I'm like, of course, like that, that sounds grueling. It sounds brutal. But then when you said, oh, and I needed to um, turn to alcohol or medication to sleep. And I was like, oh, that's, that actually is very common in parenthood. Yeah. And so I, for myself, when I, um, I remember at some point I was never like a, a late night snacker, but somewhere Mm. along the line having kids, I was like, oh, I'm put the kids to bed. And then it was almost like I was getting my reward for making it through the day. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have something sweet. I'm going to have something savory. And then I'm going to have a glass of wine. And I joke that by the time the third kid came along, it was like a glass of wine per kid makes sense. And, um, and at some point, those things that I, I thought I was choosing began to choose me. And it Mm -hmm. felt like you're doing things. And there was nights where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want this, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in that habit. And I also feel like I might need this. I might need this to fall asleep, to relax. If I don't get this, what is my reward? And so there definitely is um, a lot for the parents listening who I think if you, and I, I want to say this as well, that everything Justin's going to say is so covered with grace. There's nothing um, that either of us will be saying that has to do with shame. Because again, we're both saying we've been mm-hmm. there and we can easily drift back there, right? It's the habits that are we have to seek that are we're going after intentionally, Um, Because life is hard. It's been especially hard this year and a half. And so if you're listening and you're feeling like, yeah, that's me, but I I don't want to tell anybody. Justin, what would you say to that person who's like, oh, you've kind of hit the nail on the head right there. And this is where I'm at. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the greatest moment of my life might be when I actually was honest with my friends about what was happening. Because in vulnerability and confession, particularly to other people your heart opens up. I mean, it's such a changing moment. Um, and, and I, you know, my story might be extreme, but like you said, it's not unusual. All of us at some point will find the end of ourselves. And often it is parenting 
that brings it. it. I don't think it was coincidental that I was also a young parent who just had my second kid at the time. Um, I like to say I've learned Mandarin Chinese, you know, graduated from a top law school, worked at a fancy, you know, corporate law firm that drives people into these kind of anxiety crashes. I still think parenting is the hardest thing that I've ever done. And if you haven't found the end of yourself yet, you probably will soon. And but I, what, what I think is so important about what you just said is when, you know, when it comes to alcohol or those other patterns, we sort of understand that those rhythms and routines take hold of us. Like you said, like at first we're choosing them and then they start choosing us. I think what I want people to understand is that that's actually what happens for all the mundane habits that you usually don't notice. These, you, it is best for you to think of habits as liturgies of worship. They, you know, when it's alcohol, it's obvious, but when you're smart, when it's your smartphone, it might be less obvious, but you're also going there for something. You're going there for some sense of self-worth or dopamine rush or check in on other people. There's shame and envy and self-justification involved with all that. And those things take hold of us. The things that we say to our kids over and over, the ways that we wake, all these things, habits lead us in patterns of worship. And as the psalmist says, those who make and trust in idols become like them. And so what I want listeners to hear is that habits form us spiritually. We become our habits, and that's why they're worth paying attention to. Not because we need to justify ourselves, but because they matter. And, you know, if God, God loves us no matter what. So our habits aren't going to change God's love for us. But this whole book and everything I read about is about the opposite. God's love for us can and should change our habits. And that's really important. Well, I, if I was able just to have emojis in this conversation, I would have that like head exploding emoji. And the first time I um, I heard Justin unpack this idea of habits as worship, it was like head exploding, fireworks, aha moment, um, not realizing we think about like, if you, I've heard you unpack this, we think about Sunday. Okay. We're taking communion. We're worshiping, we're doing these things as kind of this liturgy, these habits worship, but then you begin to unpack how the things we do every day become this worship. And so for the person who's like, I don't really understand that. I don't understand liturgy. I don't understand how this is becoming me. Can you just unpack that a little bit more? Uh, Because I think it's so key. What really helped me was actually in my first book, researching the neurology of habits, because that was my aha moment. Um, And it's not complicated. So the idea is that when we engage in habit activity, the higher order thinking part of our brain actually turns off. And we go to our lower brain, we call it the basal ganglia. And that's how we can do these incredible things that humans do, like like drive home the right way every time without ever thinking about a term you, you made because your brain is being put to more important use. You know, you're thinking about a problem at work or talking to your kids, whatever. Now that's the advantage of habit when it's a good habit, but when it's a bad habit, it completely hamstrings us, especially those of us who think the life of faith is all about what we believe and know in our head. Because when we go into habit activity and let's say it's you know, an unhealthy addiction that you're engaging in every evening, or let's say it's a morning routine um, where you're submitting <laughs> Uh, to an operating system that's designed to attract your attention and sell it to advertisers first thing in the morning, every morning. Or maybe it's just a critical or jealous or anxious pattern of thought you're engaging in every afternoon. 
those things, our head and our, our Christian worldview, yes, we know better, but that's not the part of our brain that's working. Part of our brain that's working is this lower instinctually like gut brain. And the Bible and spiritual tradition calls that formation, right? So uh, we Christians have always talked about that we've a little bit kind of like lost it in our modern Christianity formation. That the, the Christian life is not just education and knowing the right things. It's also formation and practicing and doing the right things. And that for me where I was, was where I was like, oh my gosh, God made us this way. Like he, he made us to have gut loves and head knowledge and for them to go together. And so it's weird to call habits liturgies, but as soon as you realize that a liturgy is really just a pattern of worship you engage in over and over that forms you, then you're like, oh, habits are little things that we engage in over and over semi-consciously to unconsciously that form us. They're just like liturgies, except that habits don't admit their worship. But of course, we weren't made for worship sometimes and not other times. All of life is worship. So when, when you see that, you realize the question is not whether your habits are full of worship or not. The question is, what are your habits worshiping and how are they changing you? And suddenly, for me at least, this was like a whole area of life of how do I use my phone? How do I, like, what is my schedule like? What are the knee-jerk reaction things that I do every day? How do I eat with other people? How do I watch TV and listen to the world? All those are patterns of worship too. And those, deserve, those need to be discipled by Jesus in order to live a life of really, really following him. Oh, that's so good. One of the things that I've talked about on the show um, before is just that Galatians 6-7, um, what you sow is the very thing you harvest. And that um, yes. we were talking earlier about what um, my book Tangled really is about. And it is that concept as well of just like what – what are we doing with our time? And it is going to produce something, right? And yeah. so that same idea. And um, I think when we have those personal revelations of like, okay, I'm the things I'm doing right now are creating something, right? The conversations I'm having with my kids, the things that I'm watching and consuming, it really does change. It changes from almost this like going through life, just the way to whoa, I need to pay attention. And um, there also is a, I would say, like you were talking about formation. Would you say that's also connected to like sanctification? Kind of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's important actually to drill down on because our justification is completely free of, you know, works or anything that we do. It's, it is by grace and grace alone through faith. But what I love about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is that after Paul's so clear that our, we're justified by faith alone, then he goes on and talks about, and we're you know, created to do good works, which are planned ahead of time for us in Christ Jesus. So those, those two concepts go tightly together. And everything that, that I talk about in habits is all in the realm of how do you dance with God as a Christian and align yourself to his rhythms and motions because they're for your good. Like this is the good life. We're not talking about like, um, you know, something that we do to have to achieve his love. It's like, he loves us and he wants us in this beautiful relationship with him. And there are ways um, that he sets out in the word. They're, they're, they're wise things to do. We call them the spiritual disciplines. And they're all like biblical things like, you know, rest and, and meditation and reading his words and prayer and being in relationship and community, all the things that are talked about in the Bible that actually create the free life. The freedom, because freedom is not as 
at least America assumes, and really the entire Western world assumes, the ability to do whatever you want. No, real freedom is the ability to do what you were created to do. And that takes limits. Actually, you, have, you need limiting habits and rhythms to like move yourself into that life. But oh my gosh, it's such a good life. That's true freedom. As Galatians says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Well, I love that you have shared about this revelation you've had for yourself. And then you go to move towards what that looks like in your home. So yes. tell me how you moved from, okay, these these mind-blowing revelations, the habits, myself, <laughs> now what does that look like in my house? Yeah, so it's funny for me because, you know, this is how like messed up my life is. I have all, all these realizations and all the stuff that I'm writing about in my first book, The Common Rule, about how habits are forming us. And as I mentioned, all my books came out of crisis. So I'm right around the time where that book was published two and a half years ago, um, I have this night with my boys where I had three boys at the time. So it must've been three and a half years ago, actually. Yeah. I have three boys at the time and bedtime in our house is full of all the usual stuff that you would imagine with a three boy household. There's bathwater on the floor. Board books are being used as weapons. There's wrestling matches naked after the bath. Like it's total chaos. And so my habit is to just turn into this angry man who's, shouting and threatening bodily harm if they don't get in bed at PJs right now. So it was, I remember this night, it was just awkward to suddenly shift to trying to pray for them and tell them that I love them. And as I closed the door that night, I remember having this moment. This is classic parent stuff, right? You're like standing outside the bedroom door and suddenly life comes to you again. And you're like, wow, I'm an angry, loud person who yells at my kids. And that's normal. It's just, just a regular Tuesday night. And that realization that this is my normal was sort of the watershed moment of like, wait, what are the habits of my household? I put so much work into how I use my phone, how I go through work rhythms, how I engage with rest and eating and stuff. What about, I'm, I'm becoming a parent now and I'm thinking, what about how I talk to my kids and how I put them to bed? Oh my gosh, you know? So I'm talking to one of my pastors about this a couple of days later. And he and he suggests that I do this bedtime liturgy with my kids. And he does one with his sons. And I'm like, hmm, I'll try anything. Because again, I'm like in a bit of a crisis moment. So I write my first quote unquote bedtime liturgy for my kids. And this is how it goes. We still do it now. So this is how it goes. I, I, I say to them a couple questions and they answer yes every time until the last answer. I say, do you see my eyes? And they say, yes. And then I say, can you see that I see your eyes? And they say, yes. And then I say, do you know that I love you? Yes. Do you know that I love you no matter what good things you do? Yes. Do you know that I love you no matter what bad things you do? Yes. And then I say, who else loves you like that? And they say, God does. Now, you can imagine how this went the first time I did it. <laughs> it didn't go well at all. <laughs> there was poking of each other's eyes and my eyes. They thought these were strange questions. I forgot what I was going to say, but uh, you know, nothing is ever a habit until it is. And this is one of the important lessons of habits. You have to practice them to get into them. You know, they don't just start on a dime. And so I, you know, I knew enough about habit to say, all right, if I want to have this like moment of love rather than anger and frustration with my kids in the evening, I'm going to need to practice it. And, and the, the neat moment came about two weeks later when on an equally crazy night with bath water still on the floor, one of my boys laying down asked, can we have our bedtime blessing now? 
And we went through this really meaningful exchange of God's love for us, his unconditional love for us, no matter what bad things we do, no matter what good things we do. Like that's the gospel we were just talking about. Right. And what was so neat about that evening was all the other circumstances were exactly the same. It's hard to be a parent. It's hard to put kids to bed. It's hard to keep your temper, but we were driving towards a different moment. And the thing that was different was me was the way that I handled the evening because of where I felt we were going, not towards the relief of shutting the door. Okay, now I can have my free time and a glass of wine, but towards having this meaningful moment of the exchange of the words of gospel love. And that was where I was like, oh my gosh, everything I've been thinking about with habits as liturgies, this applies here too. If God really does love us like that, this whole book, this whole concept is about how can we tilt our house towards habits and rhythms and gospel liturgies in the home that just snowball us into the arms of that, of his love, because we're going to be tilted somewhere. And the normal American household is just tilted towards rush and busyness and frustration and absence and anger and consumerism. We're going to be tilted somewhere. How can we tilt it towards his love? And that's what this whole book is about. I started exploring everywhere in, in meals and moments of discipline and screen time and all that stuff. But that paradigm of how do we lean into the arms of God? That's what it's all about. Well, I love that you share about how, A, the aha moment, because I think that's pivotal for all of us. Um, and then just the, I'm going to try this thing. I haven't tried this before. It's awkward. Maybe yes. it didn't go so well. <laughs> it's maybe messy. Yeah, maybe I don't even know what I'm saying. And then how you get into that routine of something that you're like, I'm still doing this today. It's become a rhythm and a habit. It's yes. not something I have to actively think about. And so... Um, along the way, as people are trying out these things, adopting these things, it's not about it like a pass fail, like this looked perfect or that I wasn't still sometimes tired or frustrated or whatever. Like I think, oh, yeah. right. There's that as well. Um, what I love about this idea of having these liturgies is that it takes some of the creative pressure off, especially I love the idea of starting with bedtime because at bedtime we are all spent and no one is on yes. their, no one is on their best behavior. Parents no one's kids. doing well. No. <laughs> We're tired. They're tired. We're all misbehaving. Totally. That's why I needed a habit to help me yeah. right at that moment. Yeah. Well, I've, I've shared on here. One of the free things I've given away before has been this scripture based bedtime prayers because I realized that. At, and my husband um, is out a lot of evenings. And so I was putting the kids to bed by myself many nights. And um, one of the worst nights many years ago, I actually texted, we live in a duplex. So I texted my neighbor and I was like, uh, sorry if you heard that. Cause it was like, I'm screaming at them. I think I went in there with a garbage bag and I was like, oh, your toys are gone. Right? Like you're trying to think of what can I do to get you to go to bed? Um, yeah. And she was like, I didn't hear anything. And I was like, wow, these walls are thick. This is amazing. But um, I realized that as I was praying for the girls every night, my prayer was, dear God, help this kid go to bed. Like, help them go to sleep. Like, that was my main, I was like, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm willing you to be unconscious. And God really convicted me and said, like, you're missing an opportunity in this moment where your kids are listening to you. You have their yes. attention to speak life and truth over them, identity over them. And so I just started really 
using scripture in bedtime prayers to declare who they were. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't like I was like, am I saying the right thing? I don't think I'm saying the full scripture. And it's like, it doesn't really matter. Um, But I also began to say things like, um, you know, that you created her uh, inside my woman. You picked out her eyes and her nose and her, like all of these things that were speaking truth. Mm. Um, And I was like, I need to be, this is a moment where, I want to close the door and I want to go do my thing and I'm tired. And, you know, we still, it's still, but it's not easy. Three girls, two of them share a room and they think it's a slumber party every single night. Um, (laughs) But so I, you know, Justin aren't saying, I'm sure his kids are still wrestling naked after the bath and all the things. Um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, but just saying, Hey, what's one thing we can do right now to, um, to begin to form something in ourselves and in them. And one of the things that I love that you talk about is um, really how like our habits are becoming us, but they're really that our kids are becoming us and they're becoming our Mm -hmm. habits. So can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. The main premise that I try to work with after this realization is that, okay, we become our habits, but we all know that our kids become us in some way, shape or form. So the habits of the household are crucial to our children's formation over the long haul. And it's really like, it's exactly what you said. I mean, those, that idea of repeating scripture over your children in the evenings, or maybe talking about it at dinner or family devotions, those things aggregate over time into a feel and a memory of childhood. And a lot of what I talk about is, you know, the, the moments that we have something finally brilliant to say, like those myths aren't probably the things our kids are going to remember. They're big moments to us, but you know, what, what kids are formed by is the feel and the mood and the ongoing rhythms of the household. And so I, I try to think a lot about, well, how would you build in rhythms to meal times and screen times and times of work and play and conversation so that you're really doing what the ancients called building the school of love. And I think this is just so important. I mean, think about what the household is. It's a bunch of people living in close quarters who are going to get mad at each other, hurt each other, yell at each other, probably hit each other, hopefully just the children, um, and, then, and, you know, and, and then need to repent and repair all that. And so I, I say in the book and tell people a lot, the question is not you know, whether we're going to um, cause each other pain and have conflict and need to repent. The, the question is, are we going to repent? The question is not whether we're going to have problems. And a lot of that is these are all opportunities to live out the gospel of our salvation over and over that I'm sorry, I am broken. You are too. Let's forgive each other as our God has forgiven us and live and abide in him. And that is what we call the school of love where the primary thing that's going on in the house is not you raising them up to go earn a paycheck or get out of the house or buy their first car or whatever we think the initiating rituals are for normal life. No, we're training them to love God and love others. And there is no better garden for that than the household. And I just think that's like a rejuvenating mission to me as a parent, that it reminds me that in the grind we're in, which is lots of bedtimes and bath times and diapers, and then soccer trips and car rides and endless pickups, all those things matter. They are some of the most spiritual things in the world because we're just learning and practicing how to love, love, love over and over. And there's so much purpose and meaning to it. So good. Well, I love when you 
are able to um, even identify, like you said, okay, we're all, we're living together. And um, I wrote this in the, in the rough draft of my book, I said something about how, you know, in motherhood, like the kids like beat it out of me or something. And, and the person who's editing was like, I don't think we should use that. I was like, oh. <laughs> but basically just trying to say like, whatever was inside of me began to come out in motherhood because I was yes, so yes. pressed. And so I think when we can view the things and it's gross, it's ugly things that come out, mm-hmm. but it's such a good thing because as those things are exposed, it's like now we get to deal with them. Like now Jesus is like great. Cause when they're hidden, it's when something happens with our kids, our kids are lying, let's say, and, mm-hmm. and it remains hidden. Well, we can't, do anything about it. We don't right. know, but right. it comes to the surface. So whether it's us or our kids, when those kind of gross, ugly things come about, if we can flip the script and say, okay, this is an opportunity here. There's opportunity for um, practicing confession, forgiveness, mm-hmm. grace, like all of those things. It helps us not have a filter of like, we have to be perfect and never fight and whatever, but realizing yes, right. that's going to actually form us as we go through that. That's so good. I love that. And moments of discipline, right? This was the hardest and kind of the most important and fun chapter to write all at the same time, because what you just said, for me, I feel really exposed in those moments. Like when my kids are are misbehaving or there's some problem, um, when I started to reflect on what are my instinctual reactions they were things like, oh my gosh, like you're so messed up or wow, you are like deliberately trying to ruin my life or like you're a psychopath. Why do you keep doing this to your brother? I mean, and all of those things um, led me to realize that I assume that I am not also psychopathic. I assume I am also not stupid and do the same things over and over. And I assume that, you know, I am not somebody who, kind of wants the best for myself and likes to take steel and destroy. And as the more that I parented, the more I realized like, oh my gosh, I am just like them. I am just like them. I have just had different managerial behaviors to hide my brokenness from other people, but they are like on display to the world. And so one of my habits actually that began to help me with this process was to now on the way to a moment of discipline, I have a small habit. And this is like, and on the go, off the cuff, you're running up the stairs because you hear them fighting. So I'm not talking about like I, I bow my head and go to my knees and pray. But on the way up the stairs as I'm running, I just say to myself, I'm more like them than not. I am also someone who, who, who wants to fight for my way. Help me to give them the, the, the grace and the truth that you give me, Jesus. Because a lot of parenting is learning to be parented by God as you do that. And that, I think, moments of discipline are where like all our brokenness comes out. But like you said, that if we pivot from, okay, I need to control this moment and get everybody back into the car to go to the grocery store or back into behaving so I'm not embarrassed here in the hallway of church. No, no, no. These are moments to disciple each other's hearts towards loving God. These are not moments to discipline as control, to, to control behavior. They are moments to disciple the heart. And that's just been way harder but way better as a way to view discipline. And that's really, 
uh, really, really changed the way I've been acting, interacting with my boys in the last couple of years. Oh, that's so good. Um, it reminds me of the line my husband uses sometimes, which is like parenting for the next 20 years, not for the next 20 minutes. Mm, and what does mm. it look like to kind of oh, have like a long, line. have a long game in the li- in um, yeah. our mind? Because often we just want, I just want them quiet. I want the problem solved. I want like, right. I want it quick and easy. Um, it is hard to have mm. that filter and to, but I love that you have that habit of recognizing even what you need. It reminds me of the, I was recently reading about the, you know, um, where Jesus is talking about the plank and the speck, yeah. right? Yeah. And right. I've never thought about that towards my kids. I've often thought huh. about that towards others, right? Like you want to remove I haven't either. The that's speck. Such, that's yeah. so good. Well, as you were talking, I was just thinking that is the same with my kids. And I've, you know, the Holy Spirit's so good in that he will... He'll give us those little like warning signs. If I'm saying something to my kids again, like, well, you should share and you should, like sometimes I'm asking them to rise above in a way that I don't want to. In mm-hmm. You know, what's the thing that I don't want to share? I don't want to put down. I don't want to. Um, and so it is, it is really good to be aware of our own um, flesh. And yet it's like, as we are, discipling them, Jesus is discipling us, right? It's not yes, that we just right, say, right. we're all screw up, so let's just hang out here. Um, but it's like, what does it look like to, and so I think, I mean, for us, it has been, a big part of that has been us apologizing, yes. right? Like we've had those moments of saying, I, and it's not, it's not fun. I've had that with um, my husband, right? If we've gotten mm-hmm. into a, a heated discussion, let's call it, yeah. in the kitchen. <laughs> And, um, there was one day a few weeks ago, I'm, I th- it was probably like right after church. Cause that's classic. And I think I had stormed upstairs. I was, I was frustrated and I couldn't believe how frustrated I was. And, you know, of course it's all his fault, but I had this moment where I was like, it really, is this really what you like? Are you trying to win something? Are you trying to like, what is the mm-hmm. long game? What is it? And I was like, okay. And so I just went down and again, in front of them, I just said to him, I said, I am Oh, you know what it was? It was about, it was like leaving a pan on the stove. Cause we always fight about the dumbest things. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's never, you know, meaningful, but, um, I just said, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that I did that thing or whatever the thing was. And so I know for myself, like it's, I love to use this line. Discipline creates desire because mm. discipline is hard in whatever it is, whether it is, I'm going to go exercise this morning or I'm going to eat eat healthier, whatever it is. It takes a while to get that discipline going. Yes. But after a while, you crave it. You desire it because you know, like I know actually moving my body is going to help me feel better. I know mm-hmm. choosing foods that my body likes are going to help me feel better. I know apologizing to my husband, reconciling That's, this relationship right. now instead of waiting right. for 48 hours is right. going to be better. And so... um really so many of those things are kind of having these filters, having these mindsets, because when we're in the heat of the moment with our kids, with our spouses, whatever it is, it's, I feel like it's this combination of like Holy Spirit nudge, muscle memory, like getting in, you know, like you said, really being formed. Um, So. That's so, yeah, that's so good. I love what, what was it that you, your husband says, I, I think about the next 20 years, not the next 20 seconds. 
Yeah. So parenting with the next 20 years in mind, not yeah. the next like 20 minutes, yeah. 20 seconds. He's better at that than I am, but I am, <laughs> I'm learning. Well, that's so, it's so good. And I, I think about discipline and conflict in the house. I know we've been talking about this for a while, but it's so important because it's the norm of, of good relationships. You're going to have issues and all of our instincts in those moments are usually problematic. Like we want to self-justify. We want to lash out at our kids. We want to prove that we were right. And that's precisely why habits can really help. Because as we talked about, you know, upper brain, lower brain stuff, we know in our heads, like, oh, should we forgive? Oh, should we say sorry? Like, of course we know that. But our, our gut reaction is like, no, our, our bodies are just walking away from our families. And so to actually practice the things you don't want to do, like walk back downstairs and say sorry about the pan in front of everybody, or to, you know, look your kid in the eye and say, you know, we need to say sorry to each other, even when we don't feel like it. Well, that's what we do at church when we go to confession. I never feel like it until I start talking, right? And those, but building those habits pushes us towards now when Lauren and I have a fight or now when the boys have a problem, it's weird to not end in saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Yes. And with the boys pulling in now, that feeling that we have every night, like, and do you remember that I love you no matter what bad or good things you do? You know, they, they become, these, these words come back. And now that's way more normal than not. And so now it's like we're tilted to go there. And that's exactly what we need because the guy who wrote the book fights a lot with his wife and his family, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I talk about this stuff not because I'm so good at it, but because we need it so we need it so badly. And those, these are just rhythms of grace. You know, we're just responding to God's grand story of the world, which is what? That we messed everything up and that he's reconciling and loving us anyway. So why not make that a habit of the family? So good. Um, well, Justin, this has been such a rich conversation and I know people are going to want to grab your book and even um, follow you wherever they can. Um, so tell me a little bit more about um, where to find you and where to find the book. Yes. Um, you can find the book anywhere you find.com will lead you to those online retailers, retailers and stuff. And then um, if you read The Common Rule, my first book, Read Habits of the Household, you'll find a lot of my habits are around technology and being careful what screen time and social media and all that stuff. But I do exist on social media within certain habitual limitations yeah. and I will respond. You can say hi. So Justin Whitmore Early is my Instagram handle, and that's where I'm most active. So you can always reach out to me there on my websites and uh, might not respond right away, but I promise I will respond. So I'd love to hear from people. So good. So Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. Justin, I know this has helped people go one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. 
often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.